KSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guide. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Simmons and Ross Martin. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. I'm Ross Martin here with Nate Timmons. What's up, Ross? Everybody on the interwebs. Hope you're having a lovely Tuesday night. And Jeff Morton here. Hello, hello, hello. Special Agent Morton. The Mort Report. Is, is joining us here again. It's been too long, buddy. Okay. Thanks for coming back. Denver Stiff Zone, Jeff Morton. Yes. We want to remind everybody here at the beginning of uh, episode number 60 to check out coloradosportsguys.com for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate account, or affiliate link, I should say. Yeah. If you go to coloradosportsguys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page, each time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. We thank you all for doing that. It's, It's working out great. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us show at coloradosportsguys.com, or use our phone number, 720-722-1274, to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. And we have a very, very, very big show today, because on that sh- that number there, that hotline, the CSG hotline, we're going to have Mark J. Spears from Yahoo Sports calling in a little bit later. Yeah. This is a very exciting uh, uh, thing for all of us here, but especially, I wager, you two guys over there, the basketball Junkies, yeah, legend. Absolutely, I'd call him a legendary NBA writer at this point in his yeah, career. Specifically in Denver, so yeah, he's, he's the man. So uh, a lot of Denver roots there. Um, hopefully, one more week where the Denver Stiffs uh, readers won't complain about the lack of basketball. We've been doing good. Yeah, he was our guy. Spears was here in Denver from 1999 to 2007. So, Eight years. Yeah, and that was awesome. like the the. Bad Nuggets, you know, 99, they were terrible, and then they got good. Yes. His, his duration. Here. Yeah, <laughs> so we got that going for you. And I guess we're going to have to talk about the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Some positives to take away. I mean, some negatives as well, but, you know. Ross is going to come in unhinged. Game two, that's okay. I don't even know what we're doing here, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Can guess what's the point? I don't know. You know, it starts to get – people start to really lose their minds when you start to see some people saying, Tebow would have done that play differently. Oh God, it's really? like, oh, my gosh. Get out of here. This is this a podcast? Me too. I'm not even doing with my life. <laughs> podcast. 21st right? century ham radio. I like it. Ham Just radio. Pretending that I know it's, what I'm talking about. This is thug life. Sounding like an idiot in front of my friends and my family. Thousands of strangers for this? <laughs> yeah. I must be some sort of delusional, self-absorbed lunatic. I would agree with Am that. Am I insane? Every week I come on here, on this podcast, the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, and I lay it all on the line. I leave it all <laughs> out there on the internet. The starships on. Every week. Wait, you know, we've done this week in and week out. We haven't taken a single break. We haven't taken a vacation. No vacations. What'd you do? Where were we during the holidays last year, Nate? Where was I? Was was I with my family? No, I was in here talking to Carl Mecklenburg. Yes, that's true. Where were you the day after your wedding, Ross? Right here, talking sports, talking about the Denver Broncos. It's true. And what do we get in return? Three <laughs> interceptions in the first quarter. Don't forget. And a fumble in the first quarter. There you go. Who who does that? I think we all know the answer to that last. Peyton Manning never threw three interceptions 
in the first quarter against the Broncos. Never. Why would he do that now that he's on the Broncos? Maybe he hates the Broncos. What would possibly compel him to do that? It just doesn't make any sense. It was a fugue. John Elway had his fair, of inter- or his fair share of interceptions, and he maybe played a bad game or two. But at least he had the decency to come back and win the game at the end. What is the point of coming back only to lose the game? What is the point of a comeback if you still lose? I think we're building towards a point. I, I think we are. I have no point. That's <laughs> <laughs> random complaints. <laughs> How do they not know that you have to have more points at the end of the game? They're just sitting there with stupid looks on their face. How do you mix up coverage on the single most important down of the game and leave the most talented receiver on the field wide open? I must be crazy. It's like I'm living in the Twilight Zone. Three interceptions in the first quarter. It was a, it was a, an experience. You know, we've had a couple professional guys on this show, professional radio and TV guys, who have made some comments about how you know it's fun when the teams are winning, but it's really fun when the teams are losing. What kind of sick and twisted, <laughs> demented weirdo thinks this is fun? Gary Miller. People not connected. People not emotionally invested. <laughs> not fans. But they're professionals. These guys are professionals. professionals. Well, guess what? I am not a professional. No. I am an amateur. You are a fan. Yes. I have a soul. You are a fan. And I have a heart. Uh, debatable. Fan. My heart is broken. <laughs> Both debatable points. <laughs> Does he have a soul? Does, is there a heart in there? Is there a heart? Is there... <laughs> I took some notes on the game, as you guys might have imagined. I don't know if you should read those. <laughs> There's a lot of cursing. <laughs> you to heavily edit this. It was so the worst. The, game, the team was completely unhitched from the beginning, right? I mean, John Fox looked like his head was going to explode. And Peyton Manning, what the hell was that? I mean, well, wait, that was... We talked last week about the, what, the balance of the offense and how they didn't turn it over to this no-huddle you know, they, they ran the no huddle at perfect times. They went straight no huddle from the get and tried to just run Indianapolis this Colts football. not a balanced game. <laughs> <laughs> no. But they had a lot of success running the ball, it seemed, as well. You know, I mean, Willis McGahee finished with 113 yards, averaged 5.1 yards a carry. He had a pretty good night, but... They all... They, they, I mean, the, the, the game wasn't that bad. I mean, there just wasn't enough time... On the clock, and you know, it just Peyton Manning looked like a freaking loser. Yeah, and there's you know, you see those reports today about his ball when he has to throw those those deep routes, how the ball's wobbly, and they're saying that it's you know he doesn't have feeling in his hand or something, like he doesn't have the same grip that he used to or the same strength. Do you believe that? Is this true? Is this what? Is this? I mean, everything about being a fan of any team is an overreaction, right? Oh, Is this yeah. an overreaction? I mean, when you really look at it, the Broncos lost to a very good team on the road. And they spotted team. that team exactly. 10 points right out of the gate. I mean, they get the interception, yeah. run it back to the one. They took them, what, three downs to even get in the end zone? And then they come back at another interception. They're in field goal range already. I mean, it's so easy to say, but if you take out that 10 nothing lead, the Broncos win the game, you know, 21-17. But I think I can't. know the problem. Not enough Prater. 
Need more. Not enough Matt Prater. Need more is it, Prater? Is that the key? I thought it was Britton Colquitt that was her. Uh... <laughs> you know, it's nice to have the best kicker in the history of the game. One of the Colquitt pantheon of punters. The kicking Pan- Colquitt. Pantheon of punters. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but, you know, but, uh, Adam out of but, uh, ah. <laughs> Well, okay. What, is, what, is, what do we have to say about this? Well, it's not at, already been said. It. Ross, look at it this way. After better the, be encouraging after words. The, These better be encouraging words. It, it is. You're in luck. After that disastrous first quarter, really, the Bronco, it was the Broncos' game. It was the Broncos' game. They they outscored um, them like I think twenty one to fourteen. I mean, they they actually out outscored them and. The defense did well. They stopped every running play by, uh, except until the end, uh, by by uh, uh, Atlanta. By Mister, uh, Mister Drunky Drunkard himself, Michael, Michael Turner. Michael yes. Burner. Turner. You know, it was kind of astonishing and shocking to see just the juxtaposition of the two players. But seeing Demarius Thomas, who's a, God bless you, big big guy, strong player. I think he's really talented. But just next to Roddy White, I mean, they're just two different tiers. And and if Roddy White is, you know, if Demarius Thomas is a tier one, you know, wide receiver, then Roddy White White is like at the very top of that tier, right? I mean, he's just so much bigger, so much more dominant, and it, it hadn't really been that obvious to me up until seeing Roddy White play last night on the same field as Demarius Thomas. That yeah, and Roddy's, you know, he's a little more experienced. He kind of has that – he just has more of a feel to the game at this point than any of the Broncos well, he's receivers. He's better. I mean, he's just a – he's a better player. And I'm, and I'm not asking Demarius Thomas to be as good as Roddy White, but it's just kind of one of those things where we're like, wow, that's a, the difference. That's the difference between some of the weapons that Matt Ryan has and the weapons that Peyton Manning has. And you know, when you got Demarius Thomas as your best guy, that's great, but – I mean, Demarius, I mean, well, you got to give him credit. Falcons for that. have two wide receivers that are better than Demarius Thomas. Yeah, but that touchdown catch Demarius had amazing. That was getting nice. both that, feet down. Getting both feet down was amazing. You know what uh, uh, Demarius reminds me of is Brandon Marshall circa 2006, where you could see it, you can see it there, but he's not quite there. Right. And 2000, not 2006. 2007 and 2008 is where Brandon Marshall really came into his own. And it seems like with all the, the Achilles injuries, uh, injury that uh, Demarius had, and it just really knocked him off stride, I think this is going to be the 2006 Brandon Marshall year for for uh, uh, Demarius. And then he'll I – think, I think I see it there. I don't think he'll ever be Roddy White good, but he'll be damn good. I hope so. But Ross, we talked uh, before the season started about bringing in top-tier skilled guys, and you didn't really see, at least at the running back position in regards to Mojo, Maurice Jones-Drew, you didn't see that as being important. Are you changing your mind now a little bit? Well, I've, I've Do you think always, the Broncos should have spent a little money on some talent? I've always said that with running backs, you don't need it. Yeah. You, know, you don't need to pay a guy like that for a running back because – the system is the system, and running game is very important and still as important as it's ever been, but the running back himself is not as important. So, no, I wouldn't change that. I mean, our running game's fine. They look great. And Willis McGahee looks great. And 
As far as a wide receiver goes, I don't remember if I ever said we shouldn't go get a guy. It seemed like Demarius Thomas was yeah. We talked just that about running guy, backs. you know. So I mean, you, when you look at Atlanta, though, to answer your question, that doesn't apply with what we were just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at Atlanta, who did Atlanta have before Roddy White? Didn't they have a veteran there that was next to Roddy oh, White for a little while? Andre Risen. <laughs> yeah, Bad Moon Risen. <laughs> But I feel like with Denver that they have you know. I heard he was best friends with MC Hammer. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> and yeah, his, maybe it makes and sense. And Lisa Left Eye Lopez yeah. burned down his house. Yeah, may she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Bye, Pope. All right. When, you, when you're looking at the wide receiver cores, you know Julio Jones, extremely talented guy, hasn't really figured it out in the NFL yet. He had, you know, made some big plays last night. Didn't didn't really had a, that one big player had to catch for the first down that essentially ended the game. Other than that, didn't really kill the Broncos. But I see him as being on the same level as Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker where they just don't have the experience and the know-how to really do much more than what their talent's going to give them right now. And when you look at the Falcons, you know, Roddy White was a guy that was just extremely talented, but now he's starting to put that together with better route running, being able to break tackles, being able to get open when it doesn't seem like he should be able to. And the Broncos just don't have... You know, other than Brandon Stokely, who has that, but he doesn't. He doesn't quite have the talent. You know, I was wondering about that because it seems like he's still targeting Stokely and Jacob Tammy. And is this a is this a problem? Is he kind of, you know, is it like muscle memory for him that Security he's kind of blanket. reverting back to this when he should be targeting our other guys a little more? Well, I mean, I, I don't think he's avoiding. Those other receivers, He's definitely I think, not Demarius. I, I, sure. I think he. I mean, Decker. I think Decker's having some separation issues, and he's got and the some when the, the ball goes through my hands yeah. issues, and the stone hands issues, like the Timothy Moskov issues. So well, they weren't really stone; it just <clears> went right. It's, I mean, it's like you can't. I mean, it, well, you, you see, it's got as the ball comes out of Peyton Manning's hand it has different spiral. Than it did when t- with Tebow. Yeah. So he's not used to it. Yeah. Remember that bullcrap argument people were making? I, re- last I remember. Year? I think Decker about... even said that same thing that it was harder to catch a Tebow pass because of the way it came out of the left hand. And I still think that that's the biggest crap I've ever heard. In my so life. here's the bottom line. Oh, by the way, I just have to say this about Demarius Thomas. End of the half, Demarius Thomas makes that beautiful catch. And John Gruden says, that's the inexperienced. Demarius Thomas right there, and then like wh- like without even like taking a breath, he's like, "Well, maybe he got his feet in. Let's take a look at the- like." It's like, "Oh, Gruden." By the way, I did enjoy kind of for the first time in a long time listening to the announcers. I thought those guys actually did a a good job. I, Gruden drives me nuts. I, I, he, I don't know why I like that. I love guy. John Gruden. Man. <laughs> he drives me insane. I, I just he's, he he will. Everything right here about this person I'm talking about is excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's crazy though because whatever he does, it worked in the coaching world. Like he, you know, went to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. Like this guy seems to know what he's talking about. He wore his players out. That's why. That's that's why. Well, one of the reasons he was run out of Chucky was run out of uh, Oakland <laughs> and and Tampa Bay. It's just the the players got sick of him. Like, yeah. You know, Stop riding me like a circus elephant. Right. 4 a.m. to – he worked like 4 a.m. to 3 a.m. Yes. Yeah, every, day. every day. Yeah. Just now, so, bottom so line with Peyton work. Manning here is just, you know, did he just skate by the first game, you know, kind of on adrenaline or, you know, rushed me back on the field and then the jitters finally hit him uh, no. on Monday night or – 
or is this like are we should we be concerned here? Is this is this going to be a so. problem? What I think is, there's a a piece of it to where he has to kind of dial into the fact that he's not who he was probably four or five years ago, and it might take you a little bit of time to realize yeah. I need to adjust my game a little bit. Where he was trying to hit those like seam routes down the middle of the field last night, and it was like eh, maybe you don't have that yet. So. Well, Maybe you should like go through your seeing, progressions. And, it didn't look like he was seeing the defenders. No. And it might be, you know, he's been away from the game for, what was that stat last night? Like 610 days was well, his first game last week in yeah. that time span. You know, the speed has changed a little bit. It probably is going to take him a little bit of time to get back used to that. There's still the chemistry issues with the offense where they have, were having penalties and false starts and not knowing what to do. So that was a little concerning, but there was a lot of bad, bad offensive penalties, man. Just I, and some strange pass interference calls. What about that? I, I don't <laughs> see this officiating as even being a part of it. I don't think that it lost in the game no. in any, by any means. It but made the game unwatchable. It was it's what it did. It they've made, all been frustrating, though. Like yeah. Not just this one. A lot of the games have been very frustrating when I'm sitting there going, I know the rule. Like, How but, are you guys messing this but, up? But you know what's weird to me is that it doesn't seem to me that people are complaining any more about officiating this year than they were in any other year. It's just like it's like a constant. You know what I mean? At least this way, the refs are screwing over both teams equally, it seems like. That's what I'd like to remember, too, is how much was I complaining last year about calls. Like, it seems like now I've probably forgotten that, like you're saying, well, I've probably usually forgotten Usually it's the stuff. team that wins, thinks the game was officiated fairly, and the team that loses, the people think that it was unfair. Yeah. And now this year, everybody on both sides thinks the officiating stinks. Yeah. So that's it's probably as good as you can get as far as you know equal interpretation of how the officiating is going. And you're starting to sides. you're starting to see like defenders just mugging receivers because they're like, well, if I'm going to get away with it, you know, <laughs> why not do it? Yep. If, if they're going to let me play this way, then I'm going to play this way. So I, I think maybe there was also some sort of back deal where the refs that are on strike talk to these officials and they're like, hey, the more calls you guys blow, <laughs> the more the NFL is going to be driving trucks of money to our houses. So we'll give you guys a cut. Make us look good. Could be. <laughs> is that just in the NBA that that happens? <laughs> I think that's something that's just the NBA. <clears throat> We're doing some transference here. I was reading about one guy. Talking about his fantasy team, one referee talking about his fantasy team. Oh yeah, <laughs> to, uh, he said it to what? an Eagles player. I think was right? that was, no, not an Eagles player. He's like, hey man, I need you Saints on my player. team. <laughs> I think he said that to a. Player. It was Lashawn McCoy. Uh, uh, God, it was some, it was something like that. It was I forget who he said it to. Lashawn McCoy. Yeah, it was Lashawn McCoy. It was in the in the Eagles game, and then the other one was the guy who was pictured wearing Saints garb prior to being scheduled to ref the Saints game. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't Jeez. think he should mention that he was a Saints fan. <laughs> Ross, you want to read? Uh, can I read a text that we got? Of course. All right, this is from uh, Chris in Centennial. Wants to know, please give me some valid reasons why the Broncos signed number 27, Noshan Moreno, again this season. Last night he didn't contribute any positive yardage and caused a fumble. Well, uh, first of all, he did contribute positive yardage. He had two yards on three carries. For an average of 0.7 yards to carry. I was amazed. I was astonished to see him come back in in the fourth quarter. After that fumble, he just, you know, disappeared. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's weird. Maybe they put him in there assuming that nope, they're not going to – the defense is going to be like, oh, it's just no shot. They're not going to give him the ball again. I feel kind of bad because 
I don't know if like when he's in the game, if he's just not getting the same blocking as McGahee. So is it all his fault? But oh, he's getting the same blocking. And he's McGahee's just has better vision. And he's supposed to be our change of pace back, but the only pace he really brings is nothing. Yeah. So it doesn't. You know, Lance Ball runs a lot like McGahee. So I know that you want to maybe have a change of pace. You want to have a speedster in there or something. But Moreno's not. All they got to do is go. hold on to the ball. That's it. They all run the same, roughly the same speed. I mean, you know, running backs are just no Sean's good. plug and play. I'd like to see fingers. either Lance Ball take the backup role. No Sean. Lance cut. Ball did well when he was when he, he got some good tough yeah, yards. He's not bad. And then let's bring in this Ronnie Hillman kid. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, is, is he still injured? I don't know. Yeah, Lance <laughs> Ball. Yeah, real passing target. I think. Yeah, moving forward. Not I, bad out of the backfield. Not bad at all. I thought he did great. Call him great balls of fire. Yeah, I'd like to see a little less Brandon Stokely as well. I'd like to see, you know, a little bit more of like Dressen. Tammy's looked pretty good. I think Decker and Demarius need to get more comfortable. I think Peyton Manning's to stop throwing three interceptions that in the help. first quarter. <laughs> that would help as well. It was the worst. I, I it was like a nightmare. It was like I was watching. I was like wanting to wake up out of a nightmare. It was the absolute worst possible thing that could have happened. And it, it was wasn't like it was like tipped and then a circus catch or something crazy where it was like oh that was close and they got lucky it was like it's right to the guy what do you t- whoa come you got to admit though it was like the second quarter on it was like night and day with the offense so it was so you went from it was much three, better three three interceptions and, and and he didn't throw an interception afterwards he did much better controlling the ball and he ironically he did much better when they went to the huddle well you look at it this way too so the broncos last week they have their home opener this was atlanta's home opener you know the broncos beat a a pittsburgh team that came out and beat the jets the jets look great in week one pittsburgh comes back and gets a win without troy palomalu but they had ryan clark uh the broncos go into atlanta the crowd was fired up the team fed off that energy their home opener it was yeah their home opener like that was a gonna be a tough environment yeah before the interceptions, it was going to be a tough game. Yep. And we, you know, I think you saw from the second quarter to the fourth quarter, you saw more of what that matchup would have looked like without the Broncos coughing up a 10-point you know, lead. Peyton Manning. It was all Peyton Manning. Yeah. And that's the that's only the thing, too, is... part, because if, if Peyton Manning... Uh, the only way we have a chance at winning is if Peyton Manning plays pretty good, right? That's it. But, but, I mean, even if he doesn't play perfect, we still have a chance at winning. But he has to play, uh, you know, even Kyle Orton, right, yeah. didn't throw three interceptions in a quarter, right? I mean. But also, don't you feel like. I can't believe I just said that. Not that Peyton Manning needs a wake-up call. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't, need, he doesn't need to be reminded about anything. But don't you feel like he's going to work harder now somehow? Like he's going to come to some epiphany or he's going to be better because of this game i hope so i don't think i, I, I hope I, so. he is he, <laughs> there is a there is a reason he's peyton manning okay and you saw it in the first game and you saw it in the last three quarters of the the last of the of the atlanta game it it's not it's not I'm not worried about him insofar as his decision-making ability. I am worried about him as his actual ability to throw some certain passes. I yeah, mean, physically some of those, he may not have. Though some of those had. interceptions were ducks. You that know? pass to Demarius was pretty wobbly. He's had a few passes, too. I mean, he had them against Pittsburgh where 
you know, the the announcers gave him credit for, oh, he knew when to take some off of that pass, and he knew that he needed some touch there, and it was like, maybe it was just, you know, maybe it was just a bad throw that ended up looking a little bit better. Yep. So, and that's not bad. I mean, if he's, is he going to have to change some things? It's it doesn't hurt the offense. The offense can function just fine by, you know, taking what the defense is going to give him underneath a little bit, and he's still going to be able to hit some routes as the season wears on. Like, I don't think we should be worried at all. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope so. I can't. I can't go through another one of those. Yeah. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> but well, I think Atlanta was, offensively. Russ takes some Paxel before the next oh game. God. <laughs> well, offensively, Atlanta did a, a pretty good job of you know defending the Broncos' pass rush. I thought Denver was going to yeah. be you know a little more active and maybe being able to rough them up because I thought Atlanta wasn't going to utilize their running game, which they didn't really. I mean, they had well, they're somewhat balanced: twenty-eight rushing attempts, thirty-six passes, a little bit of balance. But again, I don't think we really got to see the Atlanta offense having to play with any kind of urgency until maybe the last drive or two of the game. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we'll see. Next week, home game, Houston Texans. Uh, a lot of people are saying Houston's a good class of the AFC type team. Uh, Big time rushing attack, like two-headed monster with Arian Foster and was the other guy, Ben Tate? Yeah. Something Tate. It'll be a good challenge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, I, you know, I... Uh, I can't deal with three interceptions in a quarter, the first quarter. <laughs> I know. I was just I, – I was I had the game DVR'd. It's and a nightmare. I, yeah, it was I had, a freaking nightmare. I had the game DVR'd and had accidentally uh, – was when I was closing some internet stuff, had had Facebook open and saw somebody had, you know, sent out on their Facebook status like, when did we sign Brett Favre? And I was like, that's <laughs> – that's not the kind of like, – Oh, my God. I mean, it was about 7.30, so it would be in about an hour of the game. So I saw like one interception, and I was like, okay, maybe that was the only one. And I saw the second one, I was like, okay, that has to be it. And then when that third one came, I was like, are you effing kidding me? Oh, my God. Don't say that ever again. So I was, pr- I was prepared I for one like, or two. I did love how Peyton's defense was. Well, I've, I've thrown three interceptions in a quarter before. <laughs> well, you'll have to worry if, he's, if, if there's naked – pictures of his thing showing up <laughs> at some girl's house so oh, let's man. hope that doesn't happen yeah well broncos in for a bit of a test though foster had 110 yards last week tate with 74 so over 200 yards rushing that's a, a shanahan-esque offense about 184 yards rushing out of their two main backs three touchdowns be a different test broncos face two pass happy offenses going to be facing the run tested texans glad that's a home game You'll awesome. Be, you'll be there, Ross, tailgating, I'm sure. We'll see. All right. We'll see how it goes. He's going to be holding up signs saying, you better not throw in three interceptions again. If this game had been at home and I was there, that would have been – I would have ended up at detox. All right. Well, let's take a break. Uh, when uh, we come back, we're going to run through uh, some of the purchases you all have made from uh, – Amazon.com in the past couple weeks. These are some good ones. So we'll take a break. And then after that, we got Mark J. Spears calling in. Calling in. Calling in. Calling in. (laughs) 
All right, so Amazon.com, our proud sponsor and partner and affiliate. You go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com, click on the link, go make some purchases, normal ones, you know it would normally make anyway. This, we're not asking you to spend any extra money, just one couple extra seconds to click through. Yeah, buy and, a book, uh, a DVD, a basketball hoop, one of those gorilla goals for like $3,500. Or you could buy a WWTSD, what would the Stig do, car truck, vinyl die cut decal sticker. Can you buy cars on Amazon? Buy a car on Amazon. <laughs> there's actually a, there's actually a sticker. Is what would the Stig? Be? I don't know who the Stig is, but I'm guessing oh, the, the Stig, Stig would do something awesome. That's uh, from Top Gear. Oh, it is. The Stig is their anonymous, you know, mute. Is driver. this the uh, uh, European version? Yeah, the European the the Stig the Stig. Oh, that's not, that's way wow. less redneck than I assumed that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, that's why you have to watch Top Gear. Awesome. Yeah. Somebody bought uh, again. People bought that. Cocaine book, Marching Powder, a true story of friendship, cocaine, and South America's strangest jail. Somebody bought uh, – people are buying this book up a lot. No Easy Day, the firsthand account of the mission that killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, somebody bought a Kingston Digital Traveler 101 USB 2.0 Generation 2 16-gigabyte flash drive. Dang. It's a mouthful, Ross. That's good job. A lot, a lot of words. Here's a good one here. Somebody <laughs> bought something. Big ticket item in here. Oh, it's not on this report. Somebody bought like a like a digital recorder for two hundred dollars. Nice. That's the second digital recorder somebody's bought. Well, first person was a cheap ass and bought the nineteen dollar one. It, that was probably the same person. He bought it <laughs> he and didn't broke work. right away. Hey, I, I'm, I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna need one of those. So. Yeah, click through our site Amazon.com via ColoradoSportsGuys.com. Thanks so much for helping us out, guys. When we come back, we'll have Mark J. Spears on. Right after this. So uh, as promised here, uh, we've got uh, Mark J. Spears on from Yahoo Sports. You can uh, Twitter him at Spears NBA Yahoo. Mark, how's it going? Man, it's uh, just gearing up for camp, trying to enjoy my last couple of hours, days, minutes, you know, doing some things here and there, but definitely uh, trying to get my my relax on. Nice. <laughs> well, I appreciate you carving out some time for us, man. Uh, uh, I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of the readers over at denverstiffs.com are a big fan of yours, so uh, thank you much. Good, man. I hope they don't forget me, man. I know I was in Denver for eight years. You know, Denver's like, you know, a place I, like a second home, place I grew up, you know, so I think I might finally be selling my home there. Oh, nice. Nice. So where are you located now? Well, I live in Oakland, California. Very nice. Uh, But I have a place on, like, uh, Ivy and Colfax that I've been, (laughs) haven't been able to get rid of since I left Denver. uh, Wow. Very good. But, you know, I drive by it every time, <laughs> and not, nobody's driven through it yet. But you know, hopefully it'll get sold soon. But nah, man, it really and truly though. Uh, I mean, Denver is the first place I covered NBA and kind of the, the become a man year. So, like I said, I'm always uh, appreciative of Denver Post and the city of Denver, Colorado. Very nice. Well, we're proud of you around here, and uh, I know uh, after Denver. Uh, you spent some time in Boston, is that right? Yeah, I was in Boston for two years. 
covered the Boston Celtics, wrote about the NBA there, covered the Celtics championship team. You know, I kind of remember when I got that call uh, about interviewing there, about a week or two later when my interview was set up, all of a sudden KG got traded there, and I was like, man, i got to get this job. They're going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got it, and it was just a great experience. Um, two certainly memorable years of my career because I, I, I covered the Celtics championship team was especially after all them lean years in Denver where they either got destroyed or didn't make it past the first round. It was, it was really good to uh, cover a championship team and also covered the Olympics there as well. So it was a good time. Well, Mark, I kind of, uh, I was reading some of your interviews on the web out there and I read that you'd wanted to be a sports journalist since about the seventh grade. Can you kind of tell us about how you got into journalism and a little bit about your path as you know you played basketball growing up as well, and just kind of how you got involved with everything? Well, in the seventh grade at the Silverdale Junior High in San Jose, I was at a career day, and uh, I went and listened to the Golden the guy from the Golden State Warriors who was in PR. And really, the only reason why I listened to him was I was hoping I could get some free tickets. You know, I was loving that game of basketball at the time and was playing on a team at the school and was always tall, so I was, you know, got to be good quick and uh, thought, you know, it's something I could maybe do and play in college or something like that. So I was really into basketball, loved the Warriors at the time. And, you know, obviously when you start covering the NBA, I had to give away all my Warriors gear and become neutral. But um, uh, at that time, the guy from the Warriors asked me what I wanted to do uh, for a living. And I said, I want to play with you guys. And he said, well, if you can't play with us, if you get hurt, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I don't know. And he said, well, my advice to you is find a job that you love most. Like, and, and as far as things you like to do with what you do best in school, combine them both, and you can find a job that you're you know, happy to be involved with every day. And I love sports. I was good in English so and good in writing, so I thought sports writer, if I couldn't be at the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, you know, the World Series, the next best thing is to to be there in some capacity and as a sports writer. So I ended up writing a letter to Mark Purdy, a columnist from the San Jose Mercury News, and he gave me a recipe or as or, or not even a recipe, just kind of like a, something to follow from seventh grade through college on what I needed to be to be a sports writer or what I needed to do, which basically was write on the school paper take all the typing classes you could get, uh, definitely cover sports, get as many internships as possible in college, and and try to write part-time for the local paper. And I did all those things. And, you know, by the time I graduated from San Jose State, my first job I was covering um, University of Arkansas for the Tulsa world. And typically, you know, kids that graduate from college um, start uh, in a small town covering high schools and the National Association of Black Journalists gave me a lot of help as well. But uh, it wasn't until 2008 at the Beijing Olympics that I was able to meet Mark Purdy and uh, certainly thanked him because if he didn't send me that letter in the seventh grade, uh, who knows what I'll be ended up doing, what I would have ended up doing now. That's awesome. Well, Mark, I remember I met you, uh, this is Nate Timmons, I met you on November 20th, 2005. I attended a game. Wow. I attended a game with uh, Adam Thompson and yourself for the Denver Post. I was going to college at Metro State. I'd shadowed you guys that night. That was a yeah, night. yeah. 
It was a night where Marcus Camby ended up with 21 points and 21 rebounds. And uh, you'd ask me. Man, are you one of them people that just remember stuff? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> That's great. I wish. <laughs> you know, thankfully Google. I, saw, I think I saw something like that on 60 Minutes. <laughs> June 2nd, 1961. What was the weather That's that day? That's when Martin Luther King <laughs> ate at a place he shouldn't have been eating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Definitely, but you know something. That's, that's a that's a fantastic memory, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Google on that one for the research. But oh, okay. <laughs> I was giving you props. <laughs> it was kind of cool, you know, because I, I just remember, you know, I wanted to be a sports journalist myself, and you know, I kind of heard from a, a few people in the business at the time, like how they were kind of beaten down by it, and they were telling me that they were hoping that the teams that they covered would not make the playoffs, so perhaps they could get a longer vacation. So I was kind of had this starting to get a negative outlook on things, and you told me, you know, how you told me the, the positives and how great the job was, and you seemed really passionate about it, and you really liked the sport of basketball still, so that kind of inspired me to, you know, see that there you could be around something so much and still love it. Yeah, well, whoever told you other stuff, that's, that, that's... I, I I don't know why somebody who likes basketball would want to be paid to tell people what they think about basketball. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, it's very like, true. if you break it all down, and, and I'm not saying my job is any easy by any means. I mean, it, you certainly are chasing stories, and you got to get somebody to tell you something. You got to get the players comfortable and the GMs comfortable. I mean, it, it's all you all. It's all building, but when it comes down to it, the essence of it as a sports writer is. I mean, I, I watch basketball, and I write my opinion, and people call me like you guys and ask me my opinion and about basketball, and I get paid for it. It's, what's so bad about that? Yeah. I mean, I got a cousin who works for UPS who starts at 8 a.m. and ends at 8.30. Mm. And it, you know, so I don't know. I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> yes, my hands are still soft, and I want to keep them that way, man. So, she did spend whoever that. was negative about it, man. Those, those some people don't have a real reality of how people really, really work in this world. The blue collar people that you know, I have a lot of respect for. I worked this summer at New United Motors. It's now defunct, the auto plant in the Bay Area with my dad. And I remember at the end of the. I had these shoes. I don't know if you guys remember Lottos. Mm -hmm. At the end of the summer, the shoes were so dirty. And after my last day, I worked from 6 a.m. to 3. I started drinking coffee then. And I had to be there before 6 o'clock. I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, have my clothes out, take a shower, get there. That's when I started drinking coffee. <laughs> and by the time that summer was over, I was so tired and worn down and physically beaten i remember i left these dirty old lotto shoes in the parking lot and drove home bare you know just on my socks and it was like man you know it just gave me a a, a lot of respect for people that blue collar people that how hard they work and also told me that that was something i did not want to do every day you know yeah so can you tell us a little bit about kind of how times have changed in your world like you know, with the with the internet becoming so popular and Twitter being out there so much. I mean, yourself and you know Adrian Wojciechowski very very active on Twitter with you know trade rumors with the NBA draft yeah. coming up. How are th how are things changed and have they changed for the better? Do you think? 
Yeah, well, it's just I, I kind of liken our job to on-call doctors, so to speak. Not 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 saying our job is as important as a doctor or whatever, but what I mean by that is, you know, something could happen at any time. And I, actually, somebody asked me today, "Do I ever turn off my phone?" And I said, "No." And they and they and I said, "That's why I don't play golf because I couldn't enjoy it." I'm, you know, like a, when I go work out with my trainer, anytime my phone rings or there's a bling, like a, a text message, I check it because you never know what could have just happened, you know, or somebody could be giving me some information. I need to be ready for it uh, with Twitter, with the Internet, even with Facebook postings. I mean, there's so many ways to get the story out now. Uh, obviously, Yahoo's the most read sports website in the country by a, a, easily an easy margin. Um you know, we we we've had a story where over a million people have read a story. You know, I, I mean, it's so I have 110,000 followers on Twitter, which is amazing to me. I remember when I got to a thousand or 500, I thought it was a really big deal. So, so to think that I could push a button and my message can go to as many people that go to a, a Michigan football game or a Tennessee football game is still extremely stunning and amazing to me. But that's the world today. I mean, when I went to school, I wasn't learning about Twitter or the internet or, you know, anything like that or how to talk on the radio or how to do television. But, but you know, it's, now we got Yahoo Sports Video. I do a lot of video stuff and I obviously do a lot of radio interviews. So I think now you're, you're not really a sports writer anymore. You're not really a radio person anymore. You're not really a television person anymore. You're a sports journalist. You got to learn how to do everything. And uh, that that's, to me, like the wave of the future. We're probably going to have some headband in about four or five years with a camera on the headband where you could push a button and tape an interview <laughs> while you're interviewing somebody. And, you know, you laugh, but, you know, that could very well happen, you know. Yeah. Or, or you, you just say tape, and it tapes. And you know, I mean, I live in Silicon Valley. I mean, anything is always possible here technology-wise. So I'm just... If we're here now where the iPad and the Twitter and, you know, Yahoo as far as, you know, Internet and video, and it's it's just amazing to where we are now, and I can only imagine where we'll be five years from now. You know, it's just it's ever-changing, and it's more incredible with each passing year. Uh, hello, Mark. This is Jeff Morton from Denver Stiffs. Um, I... Following up on what you're saying, you know, my dad worked um, at the Rocky Mountain News for like 35 years, and uh, on the production side. But he was, you know, part of that whole thing. And it seemed to me like when you went to to Yahoo, you were like you and Woj were part of the forerunner of online media becoming more credible, so to speak. More, you know, we've. We're writing something online, and it is a true column. It is a treat it like you're reading a newspaper. Did you anticipate that sort of thing when you went to Yahoo? Was was that in your thought process at all? Well, you know, what I, I always remember my dad not really being excited about it at first. Yeah. Now, you know, my dad's almost 70, and he obviously grew up with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch on his, on his doorstep, and Newspaper. So for me to be at the Boston Globe to him was like, 
I might as well have been playing for, you know, journalism-wise, the best team in any league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that was that was amazing to him that I was working there. So when I said I was going to leave to go to Yahoo, he didn't he didn't really get it. He didn't understand. And at that time, it was I, I was almost kind of still one of the pioneers of it, taking a leap of faith to leave newspaper. And but but I, I kind of felt like it was a, a jump that I had to take. Because I knew things were changing, um, I saw, you know, unfortunately for your dad's paper, Rocky Mountain News closed, and mm-hmm. knew one of the two papers was going to close down. Mm-hmm. Not knew more were going to come. I had a friend, Gary Washburn, who replaced me in Boston, whose paper in Seattle closed down. You know, I, I just knew that internet was the way of the future, and it just amazed me how poor, poorly that newspapers. Uh, adjusted to the arrival of it like if they would have just charged a buck a week to everybody in the beginning how much money would they have been paying getting paid now you know what i mean absolutely but they gave it all free and mm-hmm. you know messed it messed everything up and it was too late to change and because now there's just too much information online but um they just didn't really know what they had but uh, i did feel like you know, Yahoo was the wave of the future that not only did uh, the fact that it had the email content, you know, more than just sports fans read it. My mom has a Yahoo email. So, you know, on that front page, if one of my stories makes that front page, anybody who's not even a sports fan might read it. Somebody in Dubai or China might read it, and and, and I just kind of saw the vision, and maybe being from Silicon Valley originally, uh, kind of helped me with that, you know, that that frame of mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when it, when I took the jump, it, it was slightly scary, but I really f- felt like I was going to make the right move, and I was going to a stable place, and and that a lot of people were in time going to wish they did what I did. Well, I, you know, that's that's one of those that's I, anticipating a move like that, I think, is is actually what it's actually positioned you quite well. And, you know, uh, Nate and I read your read your work religiously uh, along with uh, along with Woj. And it's just like you guys are always out at the forefront because of how you're positioned and how you are. And you, you're combining your own talents with the media at the time, you know, and the access and the interactivity of it. And I admire it specifically the way you've been able to transition into it. And it, it, from our end, it seems so seamlessly, but I'm sure, you know, there was a period of adjustment that you went through that to, to get to the point where you are now, where you just like, are, are you more comfortable with it? Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, our editor, Johnny Ludden, he used to tell me in the beginning, you got to change your mind from being a newspaper writer to internet writer mm-hmm. and and realize that you know like I don't really write I don't write game stories anymore mm-hmm. I write about what people are talking about at the water cooler you know what I mean yeah so to me and and I think this is something where I wouldn't be surprised if newspapers do this the one thing that internet does right is one you know we're not beholding to a, a deadline but two I mean, think about it. If if you're really, say you're a Nuggets fan, right? Mm-hmm. And and most of the people that read anything Nuggets related are, are either NBA fans or Nuggets fans. 
you're going to know what happened in the game the night before. You're going to have seen the highlights. You're going to know what went on. You want to know something that you didn't read, that you didn't see in a game. You want some certain aspect or you want to learn something deeper about something crazy that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and so I think that's something that we do well is we tell you the behind-the-scenes story and uh, find whatever the best story is from that game, the most memorable thing that everybody is talking about and go with it instead of just giving you the nuts and bolts of a game that you, you saw. People want... People want to, the fascination with the Internet is getting information that you didn't know. Yeah. People want to know something they didn't know, and I think Yahoo sports writers have done a good job of, one, breaking news, and Adrian's is the best in the NBA at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to tell you something that you don't know and, and uh, or, or te- teach you something differently, a uh, different way of seeing something that, you know, everybody else didn't see or – just just come up with some angle that nobody thought of. Um, Dan Wetzel was great at that. Mm-hmm. The one story I was really proud of during the finals was at the, after the Heat won a title, you know, I did a story with all of LeBron's boys. Oh, wow. You know, where I got access to Maverick Carter and uh, Rich Paul, who's now uh, LeBron's agent, and Randy Sims. You know, the, the guys behind the scenes from when the, the rise and fall of King James and the resurrection you know so it's just uh i think that that's something that has made us successful is we just strive to come up with something different and break news and and just not i don't I don't think people want to read five stories about a game or ten stories about a game they want to read one or two great things it's awesome hey mark do you have a uh, couple seconds we got a couple uh questions from our listeners we had uh, ryan in denver wanted to know uh, when you were with the Denver Post, who are some of your favorite Nugget interviews, and do you still keep up with any former players? Yeah, I'm um, actually really good friends with Robert Pack. Um, <laughs> went to his uh, wedding last month. He's he's now an assistant coach for the Clippers, and I think he's going to be a head coach at some point in this league. Um, I still uh, see Nick Van Exel from time to time, which is funny, <laughs> seeing him as an assistant coach. and. Um, I, I, I keep up with Dan Essel, uh, here and there and Kim Hughes, a former assistant coach, Eduardo Nahara, you know, Mel and I still have a really, really good relationship. Camby and I are still cool. I'm, I'm, I know Chauncey very well. Um, Chauncey's kind of really close to one of my good friends. So, you know, I, I have a great relationship with Chauncey, um, Actually, one new guy that you guys got that I, I know real well is Anthony Randolph. I think he'll be a certainly a diamond in the rough for, for the Nuggets and a great addition. But uh, there's still Kiki Vandaway and I talk all the time. Uh, no Messiah real well. I mean, I still, even though, wow, I mean, five years has passed since I left, I still have some strong ties there. And uh, people there always show me a lot of love when I come and, you know, I wish the best for Chris Anderson. I know deep down he's really a good guy. Um, just kind of has made some poor poor decisions and been around some people he didn't need to be around. But, you know, I met a lot of uh, great people that I still keep in contact uh, still with the Nuggets that are on former teams. Or Now it's a cool thing because you see them in 
in management now. You yeah, know, so seems to be a lot long of list of guys. Ryan Bowen, you know, it, it, it's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of former Nuggets that are now assistant coaches. I, I would have never thought Robert Pack, but I, I, you know what? You make so much sense. I love. Well, I bet you never would have thought Nick Van Exel. No, no, not that was the least likely one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Robert Pack got rid of his his flat top. He's rocking he got, the shaved yeah, head now. That's yeah. right. It's, it's on the flat top. Tariq Abdul-Wahad, who I actually went to San Jose State with. Um, he actually is now an assistant co- women's basketball coach at Cal State Monterey Bay. I mean, so there's a lot wow, of former wow. players wow. involved in coaching. All right. Uh, another question we got here is from Michael Stevenson in Aurora. He wanted to know, Mark, how important is the superstar call to the success of the NBA? The superstar call? Yeah. Man, like from the referees? Yeah, I think that's what he's referring to there. Uh, I don't know about that. I I think too much time is wasted uh, worrying about referees. Best referees are the ones that aren't noticed. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, do the, do some players maybe get some preferential treatment? Yeah, but I, I always say the aggressive player gets the whistle. If you're a player that's going to take the ball to the hole, you're going to go to the free throw line more. If you're going to shoot jumpers all the time, you're probably not going to go to the free throw line that much. Yeah. And that's if you if you go look at the people who lead the league in free throw shooting, free throw attempts every year, it's always the guys that take the ball to the hole. So I think there's a correlation with that that a lot of people, you know, fail to recognize. I mean, LeBron probably took the most free throws, and who's the best player in the league? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I just uh, – the superstars get the call because the superstars are the most aggressive. So you did. Uh, you just mentioned uh, previously that you had a good relationship with Masai Ujiri. Has it been difficult at all to try to grab information about the Nuggets out there on like the trade rumors and whatnot? Because it does kind of seem like when the Nuggets make a move, it just happens, and you don't hear too much about it beforehand. The Iguodala trade. Oh, well, you know, Masai and, and and Josh Kroenke do a good job of keeping things close to the vest and. Not revealing too much. Um, you know, I always know he's doing something when I ain't heard from him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> he got something going on, you know. But he's, uh, I think, mm-hmm. he's done a fantastic job. Yeah. He's probably one of the most underrated GMs in the league. For him to help the Nuggets not only, recover, you know, uh, get through the mellow situation, but to make them quietly, I believe, now uh, NBA power that quickly, uh, to have that much depth, that many assets, to get Iguodala kind of quietly. I mean, the Nuggets are going to be very interesting this year, man. I mean, I know maybe outside of Denver nobody's talking to about them, but I think they have a chance to be really good. And uh, Masai certainly is a major reason why that happened. Yeah, we like to hear that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you have any uh, any exciting plans coming up? Are you going to be traveling anywhere specifically? Um, or? I'm going to go to Lakers uh, Media Day and uh, check out the Clippers. And probably the first preseason game I'll go to is uh, the Lakers. I know you're like, dang, see the dang Lakers. Always the Lakers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Lakers Warriors preseason game in um, Fresno. You gonna get a chance and, to go uh, to that Nuggets Clippers game at Mandalay Bay? I wish. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make it the point to go out there just because of the event. You know. A... I didn't know. I was kind of surprised they it was at Mandalay Bay. I didn't know they. I know they had boxing there, but I never have heard of them having um, basketball there. So that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be a tough. But uh, I'm sure the players won't be complaining about that one. Oh, not at all. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Mark, <laughs> we really appreciate your time. Thanks for Absolutely. giving us, you know, about a half hour here. That's awesome. Uh, no problem, fellas. Anytime. And uh, again, I want to thank Denver for everything. And you know, go check out my boy uh, Goose Sorensen at the Solera restaurant. I'm gonna give you guys a tip. Solera on Colfax and Grape. Check that place out. That's probably the best restaurant in Denver. So. When I come back in town, I'll meet you guys over there. All right. Fantastic, sounds man. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Then, Mark, thank you very much. Later. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. Mark Spears. He's the man. Very interesting stuff there. Yeah. So, Fantastic. Uh, yeah. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Mark Spears put me in a better mood. Yeah, yes. and I love the NBA talk. And not only that, but when we have guests on, it's it's great to get their backstory about how they got you know into it. Him receiving you know a talk from the Golden State Warriors PR guy in seventh grade, and then you know pursuing his dream, going out and finding. And then he the paid field. it forward by passing along inspiration to your young ears. Yeah, very and true, Ross. Very it was, true. It was it was quite inspirational. I, I mean, I'm I'm not being facetious. It was inspirational here. Whatever. He was right place, right time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, 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 choose, cool. I choose to call it inspiration. I remember that game that I was at though. We we're in the Nuggets uh, media lounge area, and everybody's eating dinner in there and whatnot. And I was at a table with uh, Spears, the Memphis Grizzlies beat reporter. Sandy Clough was there. I wasn't didn't ever know what Sandy Clough looked like. Just had heard his voice on the radio, you know, and. They're kind of telling me how fun the job is because you get to you know travel to different cities, and they're telling me how great the barbecue was in Memphis, and you know, that's basically all there is in Memphis is a barbecue. Yeah. You know, so, but it was cool, and it kind of got me. FedEx is there, right? <laughs> yeah, FedEx, but you know, it did kind of get me back into you know with meeting him, and then later I worked at, uh, at Fox Thirty One, had the internship there, and everybody there loved the job, you know. So it was just it's cool to hear those stories and. Yeah to know that uh, there's good people out there. Very okay. good. And I got to try out this uh, Solera. Yes. Yeah. I have never been there. You have been there. Well, no, I, I, I was there once years ago. It's very Is it, good. It sounds like maybe a Mexican restaurant. Yes. Solera. Italian. Are you guessing on that one, Jeff? I am because I, I, I actually don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was memorable food. But anyway, yeah. I'll look that's that up awesome. and go, man. I'll have to try that. Mark Spears. Well, when he comes in, we'll... Uh, the inspirational. The Colorado sport, you know, the Colorado sports guys trip to Solera. <laughs> I love getting restaurant recommendations, though, you know? Like, there's so many good spots in Colorado to eat. It's, I don't know. I watch ah. diners, drive-ins, and dives all the time. I, I write those down can't get good Mexican food here in Denver. Back home in Chicago, on the lake, my dad's best friend owns a Mexican restaurant. It's like the best Mexican food I've ever had. <laughs> I have a list like a mile long of, of restaurants up by where I live. That are fantastic. Yeah. But no one's going to drive to Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Oh, Especially right. not him. Well, <laughs> good point. Let's kind of wrap this up here. Timmons, how'd we do with the uh, old gambling last week? Oh, my gosh. Ross, 
So we both finished nine and six in week one. We uh, came down tied at seven and seven heading into the last game Sunday night and Monday night, and unfortunately, we tied once again. Eight and eight last week. Another rollover. Another rollover. So we're looking at what is what is nine and eight? Seventeen. And how about uh, give me give me six and eight? Fourteen. Seventeen and fourteen. <laughs> I'm a math whiz. Can't tell. <laughs> Seventeen and fourteen right. in two weeks. You should have seen it. You should have seen it. He pulled out an abacus. <laughs> Had the abacus. But hey, the good news is we're not under five hundred. We're both no, above five hundred. No, I was uh, happy with the first week. Um, well, uh, awesome. Well, let's get out of here, uh, and we're going to record another podcast on Thursday with our pickums for uh, week three. And uh, I'll try to get it posted this time before the Thursday night football game. I kind of spaced that out last week. We recorded the show, and then I just uh, forgot. It gets away from me sometimes, man. It gets away. These two podcasts a week schedule is a little hectic. (laughs) It really is. It's overwhelming. Dedicate this bad boy, 60? Episode, I don't don't know, man. How about to uh, throw into the right team? (laughs) <laughs> throw it to dedicate it to throw into the yes. Look for the boys in orange this weekend. Yes. Let's get them the football. All righty. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll do that. And we'll see you guys next week. Adios. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.